Kyle Sondland and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome back to the Security Token Show, hosted by Kyle Sondland and Herwig Konings. This week, we will be discussing the topic of atomic swaps for security tokens. What are they? How do they work? We'll get into that and more, but first, we're going to start our show with our usual agenda, beginning with Herwig and my companies of the week, followed by the weekly news segment, STO updates, and the market activity review. So without further ado, Herwig... I'd love to hear from you. What is your company of the week for this week? Well, Kyle, I'm really excited to share. But before I do, I should preface with some news. Alarm bells went off last week when Security Token Marketplace Open Finance Network announced to their email via email to their user base that they would be delisting all their tokens if the issuers did not renew their agreements with the marketplace. I'll dig more into that in just a second, but I brought this up because I don't believe it was a coincidence that coinciding this announcement, Securitize made an announcement of their own. The transfer agent and tokenization platform officially announced peer-to-peer transfers for security tokens hosted on the DS protocol using their new compliance tool, Instant Access. Now, I think this is a major feature, Kyle, one that I believe should be inherent in all security tokens. And for this reason, Securitize is earning my company of the week. I also want to highlight the fact that Securitize has become the first company on the show, Kyle, to win the company of the week award twice. Kyle, you gave this distinction first in episode 11, when the issuance platform officially became the first company in the U.S., focused on tokenization to also become a licensed transfer agent. And now with just a little over a year, they've done it again, this time earning it by my hand. Who will be the second company? Who knows? If you're listening and you're a fan, maybe let us know on Twitter. Otherwise, Kyle, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And of course, I'm eager to hear your company of the week as well. I think it's really well-deserved. It's exciting for Securitize to launch this service. And you may be wondering, listeners, what exactly is investor access? And the reason that we're being a bit vague is because that will be our main topic just in a couple minutes. You're going to be able to get all the deep dive on what this means for the industry and how that works on, on a real detailed level. So definitely hang on in there to hear a little bit more about instant access and liquidity in general. But moving forward into my company of the week, this week, Herwig, it's going to be North Capital. And last week, North Capital actually announced that they have also received approval for membership with FINRA and been approved for an ATS license by the SEC, just like Open Finance or T0. And their aim is to, quote, pave the way for secondary trading of unregistered securities, including digital asset securities, on its trading system known as the Public-Private Execution Network, which we will be calling PPEX, P-P-E-X. 
And so the firm plans to be asset agnostic for listing on their marketplace, but they do specifically include common equity, preferred equity, junior and senior debt, as well as hybrid securities such as convertibles and structured products on their press release. But in addition to that, the release notes that PPEX will include a detailed listing requirements for securities that are tokenized, which they define as, quote, electronically represented through a transferable digital token on a centralized or decentralized proprietary or open source ledger system, end quote. And this is huge news. It's a huge win for the industry, and I've identified two key reasons why. The first one is that we have another ATS license that is focused on private securities that was approved by the SEC. I think at this point, we cannot have enough of those, but it also has been a very tough process for many applicants, and it is nice to reaffirm that applications are still being approved, even in the current climate. Second, and maybe just as importantly, North Capital specifically focused their application to include tokenized securities, going out of their way to define the technological layer and help demystify the industry from a regulatory perspective, which I think is huge, right? We need to specifically address these things. We need to note the benefits, and it's great to see that not only North Capital identifies those benefits, but the SEC identifies that that is something that they're willing to move forward with. In addition to the press release, I did also want to give a shout out to securities.io, who did host the CEO of North Capital, Jim Dowd, via their interview series, where he gives additional context on their plan at North Capital for the PPEX ATS and the current state of their business and deal flow. So great work all around. I'm really looking forward to the launch and, and just another great company of the week, I think, this week or week. Yeah, that's huge news. As you pointed out, you know, helping educate FINRA and the SEC is critical so that they can help understand this technology and continue to authorize additional licensed agents with the ability to service security tokens. And as you said, another ATS is always a great thing. I'd say a rocky start to liquidity for last week, but ultimately it came in pretty strong with both Securitize and North Capital, huh? Timely releases, I think, for both. Well said, Herwig. But we end up on a, a net positive despite losing a, uh, an ATS this week. So you can't ask for a whole lot more than that. Yep. And who knows? Those tokens may continue to be listed on OFN. I think with that, we'll jump right into our news cycle from last week, diving into OFN. So as I mentioned, they emailed all their users with this announcement saying that they would delist all the security tokens on the ATS platform if they did not, if the issuer specifically did not sign renewed licensing agreements and pay additional fees to remain listed on the platform. The issuers have till May 21st to respond and comply. The going assumption has been that the company has been struggling to meet operational requirements due to the lack of revenue from low trading volume as uh, seen on the platform. Although interestingly enough, the company email specifically said that it would, quote, continue to enhance its efforts to improve secondary market trading of digital, parentheses, non-tokenized, and parentheses, securities on our ATS. So specifically, the parentheses of the non-tokenized securities component there has sent many questioning whether future security tokens will get listed. Uh, There's been an expectation of the, the Spencer Dinwiddie contract token, for example. However, We don't have any inside scoop as to this other than Kyle did have a nice quote in the Coindesk article. And I agree with you, Kyle, when you say that it would be a loss for the industry to see these tokens ultimately get delisted, you know, wishing the best for OFN, hope things work out. We'll, of course, keep you updated on the story. 
Next up, we're headed over to the Netherlands, where its central bank, the DNB, said last Tuesday that they want to be the guinea pig for a central bank digital currency experiment. So they released a 45-page report and specifically said that they, quote, want to play a leading role as the European Central Bank continues to evaluate distributed ledger and stablecoin technology. So the report, guys and, and ladies, it is in Dutch, so many of you probably can't read it. And as much as I'd love to translate the whole report for you on the show into English, I'm I'm just going to summarize. So ultimately, they compared a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, to Bitcoin, Libra, cash, commercial bank money, and central bank reserves. So they compared all those use cases and ultimately found that the smart contracts being a more programmable currency would yield efficiencies, but ultimately that distributed ledger technology would not. And specifically, they cited concerns with decentralized validation and uh, being potentially a cumbersome model of distributed consensus. So it's it's unclear, you know, ultimately how they would develop a, a CBDC themselves, but it certainly seems like they want to be the one trialing and piloting. In fact, they claim that they are the most bullish central bank in Europe when it comes to, to issuing a central bank digital currency, despite the fact that even just a few weeks ago, we also mentioned on the show that France's central bank is also very bullish on security tokens in general, as well as stable coins and a central bank digital currency specifically, and they are also looking to trial something out in the France uh, region. So the expectation, though, in the end, is that the euro system would trial some pilots with specific central banks and then eventually roll out the euro digital currency if there is demand. So it may actually make sense for the Dutch to be the beta tester, since the Netherlands actually ranks amongst the lowest countries in Europe when it comes to using cash to pay for things, as well as uh, doing ATM withdrawals. Not, not to mention also that this article here also mentioned that there is an increased usage of private digital money solutions within the country. So we'll see if the DNB ends up getting their wish to issue a CBDC in the region. And then we're going to move over on to Hong Kong, where custodian provider Hextrust announced that they now have authorization from BaFin, that's the securities regulator over in Germany, giving them the license to provide custody services in the region. The company Hextrust already claims to be working with many local banks. Over 40 of them applied apparently already for crypto custody licenses in Germany. And now the company aims to work with them directly to help provide custody services. Hextrust is continuing to make waves after they've recently partnered with R3 and with IBM earlier this year, despite not being on the radar really until now. And then back over into the U.S., we saw an announcement from T-Zero. But before we get to what I want to remind our listeners, Kyle, first, is that there was a 2018 announcement by T-Zero, where they announced an eye-popping $400 million raise from a Hong Kong investment firm named GSR Capital. Now, that story has its own saga that ties into this announcement. Ultimately, their letter of intent from the firm fell apart over 2018 and 2019, and the investment resides down to $270 million, then it went down to $100 million, and ultimately down to just $5 million uh, as an intent to invest in T0, the firm citing overhype in the ICO space for their changes. Now, of course, during this saga, T0 successfully raised $134 million STO, likely with some of that news being positive for it. But only now, just now officially, 
T Zero has announced that GSR Capital, which by the way has rebranded to Golden Sand Capital, has officially completed its five million dollar investment. And despite the small equity investment, the CEO suggests that T Zero will now be well positioned for growth in the Asian Pacific region with their new partner. Glad to see that has finally come to a close, and we'll see if that means we're going to start seeing some security tokens out of that region, Kyle. And we also saw another acquisition in the space, at least specifically from the equity crowdfunding side of things. Republic, which is a crowdfunding portal offshoot from AngelList, has announced that they've acquired FIG, which is another equity crowdfunding site, but specifically one that is dedicated to financing video game developers. So Republic, by the way, also has a crypto division and do offer tokenization services. So there is some expectation that STOs will soon be listed on the platform. Now with the FIG acquisition, perhaps we might start seeing similar STOs like the one that Kyle mentioned last week, Infinite Fleet, the video game STO being hosted on Stalker. And speaking of Stalker, STOKR, the Luxembourg-based issuance platform, also behind Park and Go, by the way, they recently announced that they have partnered up with Lemonway to enable Euro payments and payouts on the Stalker platform using Lemonway's technology. Every issuer that means who's issuing digital securities on Stalker will receive a Lemonway merchant account, which allows them to raise Euro investments using a SEPA direct debit, a SEPA transfer, credit cards, and debit cards. This also enables really a fully euro-based investment life cycle for investors on the stalker platform i think this is a great move and you know ultimately they the platform themselves we need to get several licenses in france to enable this and of course lemonway already has them and speaking of lemonway as well they've been on a roll since they announced the tokenization platforms equity safe and block pulse in the past couple months will also be using their technology yet another company that was not exactly on the radar in 2019 we also saw an announcement from Danish tokenization platform DigiShares. The uh, have partnered up with a Swiss-based company called Consento to offer company administrators the ability to represent and manage equity positions, track changes over time in audible logs, implement digitized document workflows with electronic signatures, of course, maintain the share register in various forms depending on the type of incorporation. Uh, register beneficial ownership, and finally communicate with investors all on one single platform. Sandro Strickler, the co-founder of Consento, says, We are observing a growing interest in asset tokenization in Switzerland. However, we also see a significant number of companies that have not yet digitized their investor relations workflows. While we want to be prepared to have the latest technological developments, we also want to build a bridge to those who have not yet digitized. DigiShares supports us in this by enabling us to fully register and manage traditional securities as well. We expect to be able to sign up many companies from the traditional economy and then slowly, over time, convert some of these to becoming fully or at least partially tokenized. So I think that's spot on. That sounds like a great partnership and and definitely an interesting bridge solution. I think we're going to see this trend of digitalization, uh, uh, digitization and tokenization really starting to differentiate themselves. At the end of the day, most of private securities is not even online, let alone tokenized. And so we're, as a result of, I think, tokenization as well as just even COVID and and digitalization in general, we're starting to see more and more of that happen. And now DigiShares and Consento have found a way to enable both. 
And I do finally have some great opinion articles I want to share with you all. The first one comes from Blockstation, submitted as a guest post, actually, to our very own blog by their CEO, Marco Haves. Marco does an incredible job outlining the stigmatism that surrounds cryptocurrencies and talks about the industry's effort to rebrand to digital assets and tokenized IPOs as a way to kind of get rid of that bad connotation. Or as he puts it, great product, bad rep, it's time to rebrand. So for those not familiar, by the way, with Blockstation, they provide tokenization and exchange technology and are working with several national exchanges already, including Barbados and the Eastern Caribbean Stock Exchange. Definitely go check that article out if you're in the industry and want to see how we are sort of adopting. Um, next, we have another great article, I think, this one by Ian Fong, who's the director of marketing at Propine, which is a custody and financial services firm out of Singapore. His op-ed titled, Digital Security Silver Livings in COVID-19, Ian outlines why the security industry will continue to thrive despite the world health epidemic that's happening. He cites several industry leaders' thoughts and shares his own as well. And by the way, I wholeheartedly agree with him. Ultimately, this crisis puts a spotlight on digital transformation in key areas, and finance will inevitably be one of them as a result. And we may even see greater adoption, as we mentioned, for digitization and tokenization in the long run as a result. Go check out that article to get more insight there. And the last one I want to share with everyone is one that was featured on Forbes, uh, giving five reasons why blockchain will transform real estate. So author Garat Hassenstab, who, by the way, he's the U.S. Regional Chair for Fiber, the Foundation for International Blockchain and Real Estate Expertise, he says that the blockchain benefits of fractionalization, liquidity, cost efficiency, automation, and transparency will be the driving factors that disrupt the real estate industry. Definitely worth a read for any real estate fans that are listening. You can catch that Forbes article there, or you can click on the link for any of the articles that I've discussed during the show in the description from wherever you're listening to, or of course, you can go directly to the source at stomarket.com slash news, where we get everything. And with that news covered, I'm now going to hand it over to you, Kyle. Tell us a little bit about some of the upcoming events. Awesome coverage, Herwig. As always, just detailing everything in the industry. You're not going to miss any of the largest news when you listen to the podcast. And moving forward into the events section, the first one I have is from Reno. And this is a commercial real estate tokenization lending and liquidity webinar on April 30th at 11 a.m. And so Reno's co-founders, CEO Victor Viktorov, Barry Moniers, and Natalia Shershova, will be discussing commercial real estate liquidity using security tokens. The firm is actively working with multiple issuers right now, as we've covered on the podcast in weeks past, and I'm sure that they have a great perspective on the industry, where it's going, how this process works, and even what the issuers themselves are looking for that maybe we're overlooking. So if you're interested, definitely check that out on April 30th at 11 a.m. EST. There's going to be some serious learning going on over there. And we'll see if potentially we can find a video. Maybe they'll publish it on YouTube or something that I will definitely update if I can find. Second off, we have another event on April 30th. That can really be your day of security tokens if you got nothing else going on. And this second event is hosted by Tritarian Capital discussing the Spencer Dinwiddie token offering. Specifically, the event will cover Spencer's vision for the Dream Fanshares platform, which is his platform he's building that will allow him to issue other athlete security tokens after he's proven the concept with his own. 
It also will include ideas about the creation of this new alternative asset class for athletes, entertainers, and influencers. And finally, we'll cover Spencer Dinwiddie's SD26 security token offering, which is the first professional athlete investment token. So this one is also, as I said, on April 30th, but this one is at 3 p.m. EST on Zoom. There should be a link available online if you need it and you don't have it, definitely reach out to me and I can give it to you as well. The link should be in the description. Both of those sound really great, Kyle. I'm just glad to see that more and more webinars are are popping out during this quarantine time. And, and like you said, a couple good webinars on just one day there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Moving into our STO updates, the first one is a little bit more context on an offering that I covered a few episodes back, and that is on Wave Financial's Kentucky Bourbon Blockchain Fund. And so this is a a Forbes article uh, by Ben Jessel, which covers the Wave Kentucky Whiskey 2020 Digital Fund is what they're calling it. We covered this one back in episode 36, and it is a private whiskey fund backed by 25,000 barrels of Wilderness Trail Distillery Whiskey. The fund, as we mentioned before, is aiming for a 20% IRR over its six-year maturity. So in this new article... Ben Jessel notes a few key statistics that make whiskey an interesting tokenized use case. The first one is that the demand for quality whiskey is rising, with sales in the U.S. over 5.3% increasing in 2019 to a new record of $29 billion. So that's a pretty huge industry. And Tennessee and Kentucky whiskey aged over four years is actually particularly in demand because it's hard to find available at a wholesale volume. With matured whiskey rising five to six times its price at sale only five years later. While this can be incredibly profitable, he notes that distilleries face expensive interest loans on their bank loans, facing double-digit interest rates which can add up when the loan won't be paid back for four to five years until the aging process is completed. So the roadmap for this offering in, in, in the article, which he's actually able to interview people from, from Wave Financial, they, he finds that the, the process will be to f- take the fundraise proceeds, invest in a new batch of whiskey, which they'll then use to lay down and mature for five to six years, and then sell the entire batch in wholesale. Then all of these proceeds will be returned to their investors at that six-year maturity rate, which they're targeting based off of the current fund. Additionally, they they plan to provide investors with the tokens that represent their shares in the fund, which will then be able to be freely traded once their one-year lockup period ends. There is no current information regarding where these tokens will be um, able to be traded. We can give more updates on that when we get closer to the issuance process. Also, shout out to Ben because he cited STM research, some of our research reports in the article to back up the industry. It's a very good article. We appreciate being able to be helpful in that industry and and great work from all around. Moving forward, we also have the next offering on deck which is an artist out of Paris who is tokenizing his future art portfolio. So artist Ben Elliott is launching the Ben Elliott token, which follows his market value as an artist. He's going to be using the Stellar blockchain for his token and plans to follow all regulatory compliance measures needed. So essentially what he's trying to do is have all of his art moving forward represented in this token so that shareholders that invest in him early will be able to reap the rewards of his future art sales. Regarding the terms of whether 
how he's going to manage this process and, and what investors are actually entitled to are still yet to be disclosed. But he mentions that there will be more information released by the end of 2020. But it's a very innovative use case. The idea of selling your future potential is certainly something we've explored before with platforms like Dreamer, if you remember, the, the once IEO on LA Token that ended up falling through. That platform is still exploring their opportunities. There are also other potential platforms like that out there. So this is an interesting use case, exciting, good for Ben for taking the step forward and and putting himself out there. And I'll get you more updates when I can. Finally, we have a tokenizing wine podcast. This is from the Trending Tokens podcast. It's hosted by, uh, or it's, it's, with Jacob Nair David for this episode, who is the the uh, CEO of Vincent, which is a, a marketplace platform for wine. And so Vincent is a Medici Ventures portfolio company, and Jacobs has been working on a tokenized marketplace for wine for years. He's actually been very methodical in his pr- approach and has been building this process and this platform for years now. So he covers all the ins and outs of tokenizing wine and what that process looks like in terms of managing their current portfolio of their actual physical assets as well as managing an online marketplace. And he covers all of his, his process through his journey in Vincent. So definitely check that one out if you're interested in hearing more from him. Yeah, hey, that's really cool because uh, it's cool to see Jacob and team being active in the media about Vincent. We we hosted him and his team back in 2018, and so it's great to see the project evolve and succeed. You know, they are really true experts when when it comes to anyone being interested in wine and security tokens. So if, if you're interested in that, definitely go listen to this podcast. And I also have to say, it's been great, Kyle, to see the media leverage your STM reports repeatedly. Now it goes to show that they're clearly hugely valuable in insightful and needed for the industry. Yeah, it's exciting. It's cool to, to know that, that this information is needed in the industry and it's useful for for adding context to the security token space. I want to give a, a shout out to, to Jonah Shulman, who also has been preparing those reports and has done a great job uh, with security token market as well. Yeah, you guys rock. And with that, Kyle, maybe you can also give us a market update from last week. Let's dig right into it, shall we? Well, first off, we have the total STO market cap. And this really hasn't changed very much from, from last week. We're talking about a $52.7 million market cap as of the end of Monday. And first off, as we always do, we cover T0. It's got the largest market cap. It tends to really influence the market. And T0's price has actually been pretty strong in the month of April. It's yet to fall beneath the dollar. So it's, it's held in there strong at over a dollar, uh, closing at about $1.15 as of the end of Monday, which is a great sign for the token in what is a very turbulent market climate. Perhaps there's optimism with the expected issuance of their second publicly traded token, OSTKO, the overstock dividend, which we've covered at quite lengths at this point, which is supposed to launch and be issued on May 19th to investors. At that point, we should expect it to be live trading on the T0 ATS. I also know that they have other tokens in their pipeline that they're actively trying to launch as soon as possible, which could be building a little bit of hype for the ATS. Volume figures are down this month, I think, compared to what we were seeing in terms of the all-time highs that they were reaching in December and January. But it does seem to be stabilizing around $5,000 a day, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. So at least it's it's more liquid than um, what we've seen in weeks past. 
In terms of other tokens this week that, that saw significant movement, blockchain capital did see a strong sell-off, pushing its price down to $1.10 with around a $6 million market cap. I think this one can, can be relatively easily explained with investors potentially getting nervous with the delisting announcement coming from Open Finance last week. Uh, but there's also some, some other things that could potentially be moving that in different directions. As well as Mount Pelerin, which is on the Uniswap exchange, their tokenized equity has been on quite a run this week, up over $4 per share, which is an all-time high uh, compared to what we saw it listed when we initially started tracking it at around a So congratulations to Mount Pelerin for for having some serious success. We also have a new token to announce, which is exciting this week, and that is the official listing of the Startup Bootcamp offering. We covered this one in December, where the token raised 2.3 million euros and is now listed on the Amsterdam-based N-Exchange. The token doesn't see frequent trading, but it has seen a few trades each month and can often see thousands of dollars in volume in each transaction. That brings our total up to 14 security tokens worldwide, and it's just very exciting to have another European equity listed on the security token market platform. This startup bootcamp token is trading at around $38 right now with a market cap of 3.8 or I'm sorry, $2.3 million. So it's sitting right around what they raised in December. The price hasn't changed a whole lot. In addition, we now have six security tokens live on U.S. exchanges, or ATSs rather, six on decentralized platforms for international investors, and now two based in Europe. So very, very exciting stuff. We're really trying to cover the whole world. That's huge, And with that, we have, I think, our our transition into the main topic, Herwig. We're talking about Securitize. I, I think it's time to hear a little bit more. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I teased you a little in the beginning there, but I, I think without further ado, I think we should jump into instant access. So I mentioned earlier, of course, that in the wake of OFN potentially delisting their security tokens, all of which, of course, are, are issued by Securitize, Securitize followed up and said, we have instant access, which will enable peer-to-peer transfers for security tokens, of course, issued by Securitize. Now, enabling an easier way to transfer your token directly to someone else is, of course, critical because this creates an alternate liquidity solution instead of having to rely on a marketplace or exchange to help match you with a buyer and then settle the transaction. So Securitize's instant access provides both compliance tools and the technology to enable a compliant transfer in regards to securities laws. According to the company announcement on their blog, they quote, say, once an issuer decides to enable the instant access feature, any potential buyer who has KYC AML approval from and is registered with the issuer can purchase a digital security from the holder if the holder has shared the transaction link with them. Only transactions that meet these KYC AML requirements and adhere to any applicable transfer restrictions imposed by the issuer via the DS protocol will be permitted." Now, let's break that down. For those of you who are consistent listeners on the show, you may remember our topic in episode 37 of investor whitelists. So you're already probably understanding what Securitize's instant access tool is really doing by enabling essentially smart contracts to check KYC and AML status and check the whitelist status of an investor. The final component, though, in this this, transaction to actually work 
is what's called an atomic swap. And an atomic swap in this case is carried out through a link created by the instant access tool for the issuer to share, making it a rather easy investor experience. Again, I have to make this very clear that this is the issuer doing a direct transfer. This is not in any way securitized, acting as a broker or as a marketplace for the shares themselves. This is just technology being enabled to let the issuer and the owner manage their token. But specifically, Kyle, we kind of covered this on a broad scale, but we haven't covered the concept of atomic swaps in details before, let alone even mentioned it, I think. So maybe, you know, given your background, maybe you could tell us a little bit more on how exactly those work. Yeah, totally. So when we take a look at atomic swaps, it's actually a lot simpler than their name suggests. But I think that it may be helpful to add some context to look at a traditional financial transaction first. So when we have owners of two assets, they need to use a middleman to actually facilitate that trade. So for example, if we have investor one, who sells stock A to the middleman for cash, and then uses the cash to buy stock B. At the same time, we have investor two, who sells stock B to the middleman, in which case she then uses that cash to buy stock A. In this traditional exchange, the middleman represents that centralized exchange, and that exchange takes a cut of the transaction for all their work. Alternatively, we could use smart contracts in addition to some complex hashing functions to essentially do the job of that centralized exchange programmatically, which allows two asset owners to effortlessly swap their holdings between each other, skipping the step of converting into fiat first, hence the name Atomic Swap. By skipping that step, investors no longer have to pay the bid-ask spread to a centralized broker. Instead, they can exchange their assets if desired in real time. This saves significant costs, especially in high-volume orders in larger transactions, which can save basis points on each transaction when rebalancing a portfolio, which is a very common occurrence in wealth management strategies. Atomic swaps enable swapping tokenized assets in a fast and simple manner, with an emphasis on tokenized, though, as this programmatic action could not work with traditional assets. The swap itself does not account for regulatory compliance, so in addition to the technology, Securitize has upgraded their DS protocol to create atomic swap capabilities for their tokens while enabling a smart contract compliance layer using whitelists and KYC AML as well as accreditation tools. Got it. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Thank you for breaking that down. Essentially, Securitize now has enabled using cryptocurrencies as, as part of their network to be able to transfer with each other directly using smart contracts. And I'm proud to say, actually, Kyle, that InvestReady, the accreditation software company that I founded back in 2013, is one of the providers of choice by Securitize for instant access. So that's really cool to, to see that we're, we're helping power what, what I think, again, is something that is, is going to be very pivotal for security token issuers moving forward, knowing that this feature is available. Exactly. I think that both firms play a crucial part in the process. And as we noted earlier, Instant Access is a very timely launch for Securitize because it coincides with this OFN delisting announcement, where all five tokens listed on Open Finance are actually issued by Securitize and are now under the threat of delisting. So by providing another avenue for liquidity, we should see a smooth transition for issuers as well as secondary market investors because we don't know the extent in which Open Finance will continue operations and with which assets in particular. 
particular. In a centralized exchange, in addition, each trading pair between two assets has its own bid-ask spread. So the exciting thing about an atomic swap and potentially seeing this scale into other liquidity providers and seeing this as, a, as an ideal opportunity for marketplaces is that when you have a bid-ask spread between two assets, it can be incredibly large when you have an illiquid pair. Right? If you have two assets that you're looking to trade between each other, it may not happen very often, so therefore there's going to be a larger fee for that trade. By leveraging smart contract settlement, we actually only have one bid-ask spread for each asset. It doesn't depend on which trading pair you're using, which allows for a much cheaper trade across the board. The only outstanding fees you're really paying are just the gas fees that power the smart contracts itself, which are very small. So atomic swaps is something that that Securitize is now looking to pioneer, is something that I think really can catch on to other marketplaces and ATSs as well. Uh, fully agree, Kyle. Again, thank you for explaining just how important the atomic swap is as a capability for security tokens to be able to enable peer-to-peer transactions. You know, Securitize is one of the first and most funded companies in the space. They continue to lead the way. But I do also want to mention and highlight that Realty, uh, another security token platform specifically focused on real estate right now. They've hosted all the, the real estate tokens that you can find on, on STO Market there. And they really spearheaded this liquidity solution, I think, uh, first. We, we've talked about on the show many times how Realty manages a whitelist themselves and uses Uniswap to power a peer-to-peer market for their tokenized real estate assets. And of course, that whole process uses atomic swaps as well. Yeah. The, the only difference there being that Uniswap actually requires staked Ethereum to be able to power each one of those liquidity trading pairs because, as I mentioned, without that staked Ethereum, there actually is no one that can, that can facilitate that trade. So potentially, even with Securitize's instant access, they're stepping that up another level by providing that full liquidity for any asset to be swapped without necessarily requiring that staked Ethereum. I hope that other issuance platforms will enable similar solutions as well uh, to provide that immediate liquidity for their issuers, because this is a really great way to unlock those immediate options for investors, which drastically reduces the friction of adoption while providing a great use case for blockchain implementation across the board. Yeah, and we we have to remember, Kyle, secondary transactions for private securities happen all the time. They are just extremely cumbersome, they are manual, and they are slow, and they are far from digital. So again, I think this really puts a spotlight on the functionality of security tokens in general. Those of us who come from the crypto space, we already saw how revolutionary, you know, and how lightning fast it was to be able to just transfer value using blockchain. But that's a tiny fraction of the population of the investors in the world who actually have never experienced this and don't understand what it's like to own an investment via a token, let alone the fact that this investment experience, as Consento pointed out earlier, can actually be digitized and live online. And so this is just an absolute game changer. And I I hope all of you wonderful listeners now are able to understand how atomic swaps make transferring private securities digitally peer-to-peer a reality. Again, I really think this is going to be a a major future. Every time one of these transactions happens, it is a new experience and experience for investors to see what it's like to transact in modern finance. And and I really think this is smart contracts at its finest. And so with that, I think episode 41 can come to a close. So I want to thank you all for listening and I hope to catch you next week. Thank you very much. Talk to you next week.